So the reading this morning is from John's Gospel, and it's at chapter 20. And you can find it on page 1089 in the Bibles. And we're going to start at verse 19. This is Jesus' appearing to the disciples after his resurrection. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We've seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe and that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, by believing, you may have life in his name. This is the word of the Lord. Super. Can you do keep that open, and uh, shall we say a prayer as we... Um focus on that for a few moments. Lord Jesus, you breathed and said to your disciples, receive the Holy Spirit. By the Spirit's presence with us, you are present with us, Lord Jesus, today. And so we pray that you would breathe these words into us that we might receive afresh what you have for each of us, for us as a congregation. Fill us with your spirit, we pray. Amen. Well, some of us are quite trusting people, others not so much. My default is quite trusting. But, of course, you know, I've learned over the years, you can't always trust everyone, can you? You can't always trust what you read in particular. Um, On top of all the rumour and gossip and opinions, the zillions of opinions that there seem to be in the world, they've now invented fake news as well, which looks like the real deal, but really isn't. 
How do you and I, how do we decide who to believe, where to put our trust, where to put our confidence? It's a tough one, isn't it, in the modern world? And what it can lead to is that actually some of us, and certainly as a culture, I think, people struggle to put our faith, really to put our faith, in anything or anyone other than ourselves. And if I know myself, well, that's a pretty shaky place to put my faith as well. But it's a bit of a trust-no-one kind of culture that we're developing because we don't want to be taken advantage of and we don't want to be let down. Well, as the second half of John 20 gets going and focuses on Thomas, he's a real help to us because he's someone who didn't just believe everything that his friends told him. He thought it through for himself He's gone down in history as doubting Thomas, but if you look down again, I don't think he's a particularly doubting kind of person. He's pretty sure. Verse 25, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. Thomas is just trying to be sensible, isn't he? He knows that as sad as it is that when people die, they don't come back again. And so he's saying, well... If I have incontrovertible evidence right there in front of me and I can touch him, but otherwise, no, no, I'm not going to believe this. You see, for Thomas, seeing is believing. And for us, a lot of the time, that's how we felt. Okay, if it's true, prove it. Seeing is believing. Well, looks down with will you again to verse 26. We pick up the story a week later. The disciples are in the same place again that Jesus has already appeared to them. Thomas is with them this time. And Jesus, enjoying the freedom of a resurrection body, we don't know quite how this works, but uh, this is the body of the future prepared for an eternity with God. And he walks into a room that's locked that we couldn't walk into. He greets them with words of peace. And then he turns to Thomas and singles him out and knows what he said. <laughs> and it must have been a roller coaster emotionally for Thomas at this moment. He's, he's excited. He's, he, he really, he's, he must have, what, he, he's actually here in front of me. He must have been starting to share the joy that the other disciples saw. And yet, he knows what he said. And he knows that Jesus knows what he said. And he must be thinking, oh gosh, where's a big hole for me to fall into? He really has risen from the dead. And you see, I think, I think chapter 20 in many ways is the climax of John's Gospel. We've got 21 and we're going to look at 21 as well. But it sort of builds to uh, this moment with Thomas and then what John writes in verse 31 that we'll come to, that these things are written down so that we can believe but this is the moment. John has told us, the gospel writer, he's told us right in the first words of his gospel, the things that we read at Christmas, he's told us who Jesus is. The word who was with God and who was God has become flesh. That great words we read out at Christmas, it's sort of wow moment. And then John starts telling the story from John the Baptist onwards. And what he's done, he's told us, and then he's told us the story of what they experienced, what they saw, the miracles that 
help them over time to realize that Jesus was very special and then, well, he's taken us all the way to this moment where Thomas realizes he's not just very special, that this is God walking amongst them. And Thomas, when he does see, credit to him, he follows that through. He believes and he worships. Verse 28, my Lord and my God. See, that's what John's been telling us, this story of Jesus, this true story of Jesus. This is where all the evidence points. And so the only right response to him is to be on your knees or metaphorically or literally in worship, my Lord and my God. Seeing is believing. But notice verse 29. Seeing is believing, and Jesus acknowledges that, verse 29, because you've seen me, you've believed, but blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus isn't quite as sympathetic to Thomas as we are because he already had enough evidence. Before Jesus appeared to him, he already had enough evidence to believe for himself. He'd seen Jesus throughout his ministry those three years. He'd seen the extraordinary miracles that no one else had ever done. He'd seen Jesus just weeks before raise Lazarus from the tomb where he'd been for several days and had started, his body had started to decompose. He'd seen Jesus reverse death. And he'd heard Jesus say, I will rise when they kill me. And he'd also, a week earlier, heard all his friends say, he's really done it, he's really risen, and we've met him. See, Thomas actually had all the evidence he needed, he needed to believe. It's a kindness that Jesus appears to him personally in, in the way he does. But you see, Thomas should already have believed before this. Because not only is seeing is believing... It's also true that hearing is believing, or reading is believing. See, this is the way the world works, isn't it? Sure, we see some things, but we can't be everywhere every, every time. We can't see everything that's ever happened in the world today, let alone in history. What also happens is people pass it from one person to another by telling others or by writing it down. So you hear a, a piece of... Um, uh, a piece of information, a, a surprising piece of news. Kim Jong-un um, meets for peace talks with the leader of South Korea. And you think, what, really? We weren't expecting that to happen. But people who were there tell you that it's really happened and that those conversations have happened. And we think, oh, gosh, gosh, brilliant. We must pray for them that actually something good comes from it. But you see... That's something, a different part of the world, it's, it's important, but we haven't seen it, but we have heard about it. And hearing is believing. And actually, loads and loads of things in life. Um, the molecules that make up my body, your body. You've seen them? Anyone ever seen? Anyone been in a science lab and seen down an electron microscope and seen? I haven't. Now, I'm trusting the scientists who tell me that they have. And um, I can't think of a reason why they'd make that up. And they've shown me the sort of zoomed up photographs as well. And, but you see, they've seen it, I haven't. But they're telling me the truth, I believe it. 
That's how it works, isn't it? Hearing and reading are believing too. I wasn't uh, in, um, I don't have Sky, so I wasn't able to watch Liverpool play Everton yesterday. But I was, I was reading the updates on the BBC website. And, you know, nil-nil, well, it could have been worse. Um, but the person from the BBC was at the game and was updating it. He or she saw, told other people, I read or heard and believed. That's how it works. And you see, that's Jesus' point for Thomas. He'd heard. He should have actually believed a week before because hearing is believing too. Thomas should have done but didn't. Jesus in kindness and love appeared to him and overcame his failure. But, verse 29 Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And Jesus is talking about us and billions of other people that have lived in the last 2,000 years. Because you've not seen God, I've not seen God. We could have done if we'd have been born earlier, if we'd have been born 2,000 years ago in Palestine. We could have met God himself or been part of a crowd and heard the teaching and seen the miracles. Because God, God becoming human doesn't happen all the time. It's only happened once. But it has happened. People saw and they wrote it down. So it could not only be news that went out uh, to the people of their day, but it could be news for the future. Uh, and John's conscious of that as he writes it. If you look at verse 31, he says, You know, I write these things. Uh, that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. He's conscious. I'm writing it down so that other people can know. And so that's what we're holding when we're holding a copy of John's Gospel in the Bible. We're holding a copy of, of information from 2,000 years ago which is life-changing for the world. And this isn't just another sort of conspiracy theory, another sort of religious group that existed a long time ago sharing their insights into life. This is, these are events, they happened, and people like John and the others uh, who started preaching this and writing this, uh, the Roman world didn't take kindly to the idea that, they, that Caesar was not Lord, but that Jesus was Lord. These people were persecuted for preaching that Jesus had risen from the dead. John was imprisoned on a, on a prison island by the Romans. And, and yet they kept preaching it to their dying day. They kept preaching it when they got crucified upside down. They kept preaching it because they knew it was true. And they wrote it down so that the world could know it was true. So that we could know it was true that it's true, as verse 31 says, that if we believe in Jesus, we put our faith in him, we receive life in his name. That anyone can do it, any old sinner, you, me, anyone, who puts their faith in Jesus and all he's done, receives life. So two applications of this. The first is, let's enter this life. Let's enter life. You see, we'll all die, we'll all survive the grave and uh, stand before God for judgment. 
There will be heaven, there will be hell. There is one who can get you and me through all of that and into paradise with God forever. There is one person, Jesus, who can handle death. Not Muhammad, not Buddha, certainly not Richard Dawkins. Jesus, and only Jesus, is the one who's come, who's died, but who's risen and beaten death, never to die again. The only one who you can trust when it comes to your dying day if you put your hand in his hand, you will be safe. But don't just wait until the day before. Enter life now. This is why Jesus has come to bring. Uh, eternal life is, is, is something that starts now and goes beyond the grave. It, it's to know God. That's how Jesus describes eternal life. In chapter 17, he's saying, it's to know you, Father, like I know you. That's what he wants you and I to come in on. To know God as Heavenly Father forever. And uh, in verse 22 he talks about, he's going to send the Spirit. He says to the disciples, receive the Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit of God living in us is how we know that this promise that we're God's children, that we're connected to God, that he's our Heavenly Father, we know that that's true in our lives because the Holy Spirit is present and confirms that. That there is now a relationship with God that cannot be broken even by death for everyone who believes in Jesus. Eternal life, to know God now and then beyond the grave forever. We're dead without Jesus, but in his name, inextinguishable life bursts forth. So enter life. That's the first application. It may be, it's, uh, some here think, well, that's really interesting, but I'm not sure it's true yet. I'm much more like Thomas before he met Jesus. I need to investigate some more. Well, these uh, books are around. We were giving them away over Easter weekend. We'd love for everyone uh, who hasn't had one yet to, to, to go away with one today. Um, they're um, a good way to look at this story. It's, a, it's an amazing and wonderful story, but the author will explain it's also a true story, one that you really can put your faith in and know it won't let you down. And so if you haven't had one yet, do take it away with our compliments. If you have and you think, oh, I wouldn't mind another one to give to a friend, then do take one away for a friend. We'd love to be uh, all out of them by the end of today. It may be, though, that you're more like Thomas after he met Jesus. You think, actually, I'm here today, and uh, yeah, I know, I, I know. I, I've, I've had enough evidence. I, I actually do know. Jesus rose. He died, and he died for me. But I'm not sure that I've really, you know, told him that I trust him. And if that's you, then, you know, as we go through the rest of the service, we have some quiet moments during communion. Maybe just grab a few moments in prayer. God's only a prayer away, so just tell him. Tell him, Lord, I really want to trust you. I really want to trust that you died for me, not just for the world, which you did, but for me. I want to receive that forgiveness myself. I want to know your Holy Spirit in my life and to know your resurrection life. Enter life. That's the first application. The second is for those of us who've done that, is enjoy life. That's what Jesus came to bring. He came to bring us into a life of an eternal life with the Father. Let's enjoy it. It's amazing to know Jesus here and now. It really is. And you get that sense from when he, when he walks into this room with the disciples um, the first thing he says in verse 19, 
Peace be with you. Peace. That's what he comes to bring into our lives. A deep peace that means that whatever our circumstances, we know God with us in those circumstances. Even in the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. It's not only peace, it's joy. Verse 20, when they realized that he was actually there with them risen, they were overjoyed. And whenever we grasp something of God's goodness and the promises he's made us and his presence with us, then we will know joy as we taste now what it will be to know him face to face one day. We know it, so let's live it, let's enjoy it. How practically? Well, how do we enjoy any relationship in our lives? It's by time for that relationship. It's by getting to know that person better, isn't it? Making it a priority, investing in it. Uh, So married people, I hope very much that um, that's what you do in your relationship, that you haven't got so used to being married that you don't invest in your relationship anymore. That's the danger sometimes for married people. Well... Keep on making it a priority and therefore time and just carry on getting to know each other through all the ups and downs of life. That's what we want to encourage you as married people, those of us who are single. We want to say, go for it. Enjoy that relationship that God's given you and make it, I don't know what, I don't know what works for you. You probably do. Have you still got that date night in the, in the calendar uh, once a month or whenever it is? Or whatever it is that works for your family just to make sure that you're really investing in that relationship. Well, the same applies for all of us in our friendships, actually. Uh, I'm in huge danger often of taking my friends for granted, particularly my male friends, because, you know, I love to tell the story, oh, I haven't seen them for a year and a half, but we just picked up like it was yesterday. What on earth have I taken a year and a half to do that for? Anyway, that's men for you. Um, But don't we all need to just say... Oh, when it comes to God and his goodness, let's not leave it another week. Let's not leave it another year and a half. Let's be those who, in our daily lives, are making that a priority in our time with him, opening the Bible each day, um, spending that time in prayer each day, having maybe a good Christian book on the go that's going to fuel our faith. Um, when we restart life group, not this Tuesday, we're going to pray this Tuesday, but then the week afterwards, maybe coming into life group and just saying, actually, that's going to be a real priority for me uh, as I invest in my relationship with God. Because you see, hearing is believing. That's how we come to faith, but it's also how we grow in faith. We need to kind of keep hearing God's word, and then we need to live it out. We need to enjoy the relationship in practice, day to day. And that might be the need for some of us here that. It's not so much more knowledge, although we always need to keep remembering, but it's more action that's needed, more putting it into practice, more obedience, more worship of God uh, Monday through to Saturday. Talking to him in prayer, thanking him for the good things and telling him that we love him too. We're made for that kind of relationship with God. It's what he calls us all into. It's what Thomas discovered when Jesus brought him to that realisation that he was Lord and God and that he had died for Thomas's sins to bring Thomas into that eternal relationship with God. It's what Thomas realised and he believed 
and it's what we're all invited into. And that faith, going back to where we started, that faith is based on something solid and certain, not something who knows and just someone's opinion. Jesus and his promises will not let you down. They will not lead you to being, oh, I don't know, I don't know whether it's true or not, I don't know whether I've just taken a risk. Or... No, this isn't something that we, we add to the list of things we believe, you know, somewhere between, uh, you know, I believe my parents love me and I believe that my favourite colour is blue. Yeah, I believe that Jesus died and rose again. It's not something I add to the list. No, it's, it's above even that my parents love me. It's actually the big story of everything that God made me and God made you. And he himself came into the world in the person of his son to die and rise, to rescue you. That is central truth. That is permanent truth. That is unshakable truth. That when we receive it into our lives, it's, it's a faith that transforms everything else and all our other relationships. It's central. It's our identity. Jesus is risen. His disciples saw and believed. They've told us so that we can hear and believe and that by believing, have life in his name. So enter life and enjoy life as you invest in that eternal relationship with God as Father that Jesus has made possible. Amen.